0: Hey everyone, Uh, welcome back to Vanessa on Films. This is the podcast where we discuss film and TV news. Um, I still say we, even though this is another solo episode, so sorry for those of you that want to guess. Yeah, I still say we because I consider the people listening to this, if there is anyone listening to this, you know, like a part of the discussion. Um, And yeah, I've been trying to find a guest um, for yeah, just for these episodes, but, um, I haven't been able to, um, so if you're listening to this and you actually want to be a guest, like, we can totally hook something up, um, yeah, uh, you can just, I guess, contact me on either, like, Twitter or Instagram, I don't know what Twitter's being called now, and I really don't care, um, but, yeah, you can reach me on both of those platforms, at Vanessa on Films, simple enough, right, um, yeah, so just, like, send me a DM and we could like totally work something out. Um, I'm hoping to have a guest for next week. Um, Yeah, and there was a lot going on this week regarding news. Um, I feel like the strikes are taking up a lot of the discussions right now and for very good reasons, so I think I want to start off with news about the strikes. Yeah, so the strikes are delaying a lot of projects, Um, so next goal wins i believe it is being pushed um to a later date or let me kind of rephrase that what's happening is that it might be delayed so um i'm actually going to talk about tiff in a little while but it's actually yeah like it's actually supposed to have its premiere at tiff um but it may be delayed so it might not even premiere there um I think Disney's also considering um, pushing Your Girl Poor Things, which I'm pretty sure. I honestly like it was definitely like a top five most anticipated for me. Um, at least I think. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. I say that a lot about a lot of movies, but honestly, I think it was. And so yeah, like I don't. I don't know. Like the strikes are delaying things, and I feel. I, I feel like. I don't necessarily care, if that makes sense. It's like, I do, I, I don't care that they're being pushed, but I'm, I care about the, but what this, like, these delays represent. So, if they're being delayed and they're being pushed, that just means that the strikes are still going on, and that's obviously not a good thing, um, because that means writers and actors and specifically the more working class of them are not going to be able to afford to live and survive. So, obviously, like, what the delays represent is a very bad thing. Um, but yeah, those are, like, two movies that I've heard that may be delayed. But we do have confirmation that Luca Guadagnino's newest film, Challengers, it is actually being delayed until next year. So, it's going to be released on April 26, 2024. So, it was supposed to have a release date earlier, I mean, sorry, later this year, later this year, and, you know, now they just like fully pushed it. And I think this is also really big news as well, is that Warner Brothers may be delaying Dune Part 2. Again, this isn't confirmed, but there have been a lot of talks. So, of course, Dune Part 2 was supposed to have a release date again for later this year. And yeah, I've, I've heard that uh, Warner Brothers is discussing maybe, like, releasing it next year, which uh, I don't know. I don't know. But the thing the thing is, is that this is kind of reminding me of, like, the early days of the pandemic where everything got pushed. Obviously, for a very, very different reason and for, like, a good reason as well. But it's kind of just reminding me that, like, nothing, nothing is ever really confirmed or, like, set in stone right now. I really do hope that the strikes can end soon. Um, It's just, it's just like not realistic to expect these people to continue living the way they do. Um, So that's why they are striking. And yeah, so those are just some of the big movies that have been, I guess. Yeah, there have been like rumors about them being pushed, but we got like confirmation that Challengers is in fact, being moved to next year. Like, we got a date and everything. So, as I briefly mentioned, um, TIFF of this year, so TIFF 23, a bunch of new films were announced for the film festival. We got a lot of first looks at the projects that were announced. So, all the next mentioned projects are going to be premiering at TIFF. So, we actually got a first look at Kate Winslet in Lee. This is actually considered a passion project, she's been calling it this for a very long time. Um, It's also starring Alexander Skarsgard, Josh O'Connor, Marion Cotillard, and Andy Samberg. And, of course, this is based on the life of Lee Miller. She was a model. And yeah, uh, during World War II, she kind of left that career behind to become a photographer. She has a lot of very well-known and popular photographs from that time period. So, it's just going to look at her life. Of course, it is a biopic. I'm very iffy on biopics, but I mean, when they're done correctly and when, when they're not necessarily like clean cut and feel like a Wikipedia page... I'm totally down for them. Um, We also got a first look at the Royal Hotel. So this is Kitty Green's uh, upcoming thriller. It's starring Julia Garner. They've worked previously together on The Assistant. I wouldn't consider The Assistant a thriller, but it definitely did feel like that at times. Um, I don't know, maybe I would consider it a thriller. But yeah, so they're uh, collaborating again on this project. We also got um, Jessica Henwick in the project, so they are being—they're playing best friends in the film. This is actually inspired by a real place or inspired by true events, at least. And um, yeah, so two friends—they're backpacking, and they basically run out of money. So what happens is they decide to get jobs at this pub, and the pub is really sketchy, and it's very—it's very much like not a safe place for them to be working it's kind of like dangerous and the environment is very toxic um i believe i don't i don't know if there's a document. i think there is a documentary based on this um based on this pub um and there's a lot of like articles that are written about it i've read i i haven't watched any of the like videos or whatever the documentary on it but i have read a lot of the articles on it and Honestly, like, I feel like making this a thriller is, like, the only way to go. It's just very eerie, the story, and it's very, again, like, definitely does feel very dangerous. So, I'm excited to see, um, this project and see, like, Kitty Green and Julia Garner working together. I'm also, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot in a lot of my, like, Letterbox reviews and, like, on Twitter a lot, um, I just, I don't know, I... I often find myself talking about Jessica Henwick in a very like positive light um just because I really do think that she's a great actress and honestly like I feel like she could be a very big action star or like sci-fi action star and I would like to see that from her but the fact that 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 she's in this like thriller um directed by Katie Green is also really really cool and honestly like I do think that she has a really cool career ahead of ahead of her um yeah And so we got um, first image of him in the film. There's also two movies that are about uh, three sisters that are also got recently announced that are going to be premiering at TIFF. And I think it's really cool. Um, Yeah, so the first film is Azazel Jacobs, His Three Daughters. And it is featuring Elizabeth Olsen, Carrie Coon, and Natasha Lyonne. So yeah, these are sisters who reunite after their father's health declines. Um and yeah, um I think this is a really 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 cool cast. Um I feel like seeing these three actresses play sisters is going to give yeah, I f- I feel like this is this is going to be a really cool project for all of them. Um all the actresses are great. Um Carrie Coon is like really a good She's like a really like good presence when it comes to supporting roles. And so I'm really excited to see all three of them work together. And yeah, I know this has also been getting a lot of like traction on film Twitter because of Elizabeth Wilson and Natasha Lyonne starring in this film. Um, but yeah, uh, so this is the first film that I wanted to mention regarding Three Sisters. And then the next one is starring, starring Scarlett Johansson. Emily Beecham, and Sienna Miller. And yeah, what's interesting is this also regards three sisters that are reuniting for a whole different reason, but they're still nonetheless reuniting. So this is, um, they are reuniting for their mother's third wedding, and it is called North Star. Um, It is directed by uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. So yeah, uh, she's also starring in the film as well. I'm fairly certain she's playing their mother. Yeah, so she's playing their mother. Um she is directing the film and she actually co-wrote it. So this is based on like her screenplay, but uh yeah, it's like a co-written project. And honestly, I'm really excited for this project. Um just because um I think it'll be really really cool to see Christian Scott Thomas's direction, but also again, uh seeing these three actresses work together is going to be really cool. I love, I love when there's kind of like a trio, um, in films or like even in television shows as well and seeing how they like balance, yeah, like balance the, the the chemistry between the three actors, like how the screenplay does that and, you know, the acting itself. Um, so this is definitely like a project that I'm looking forward to. There's a lot of like project and uh, projects announced that were also um, directorial debuts for a lot of actors. Um, yeah, so Chris Chris Pine and um, Anna Kendrick, their directorial debuts are actually going to be premiering at TIFF. So that was interesting to see. Um, a lot of that was, there was a lot of that going on. Um, Another project that gained a lot of traction because of, of course, the actress that is starring in it. Um, definitely has one of the most passionate fan bases out there, and for good reason. Um, but yeah, so Mahalia Bellows, The End We Start From. This is based on a novel, actually. It is starring, of course, Jodie Comer, Joel Fry, Mark Strong. Gina McKee, Catherine Watterson, Nina Sosanya, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Which that's a really like strong cast. <laughs> um, yeah, so it it's based on a, a novel, but um, what it what it's about is basically when London, um, there's severe flooding in London, and basically a woman being played by Jodie Comer and her baby try to get home after the submergence and after the flooding. Survival films are definitely like hit or miss as a whole genre um but i feel like a lot of people just gravitate towards them due to like i don't know like the the perseverance of the the lead or like the main characters and i feel like with someone someone like jodie comer leading something like this is really really cool um i I definitely do think she is, like, one of the best working actors right now. Um, She recently won the Tony uh, for Prima Facie, which, like, uh, yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't think anyone else stood a chance. But, um, yeah. She she, she really is just, like, a revelation in acting. And I'm... I... Yeah. I don't really know what else to say. I think I was going to just talk about, like, the festival itself and how having these, like, really big actors, not, mm, yeah, like, these actors with, like, really strong fan bases definitely, like, does affect the film festival itself, but I guess I could talk about that a little later, um, and yeah, I I guess I will talk a little bit about, uh, Greg Gillespie's Dumb Money, so I know I made fun of it on this podcast a lot with Juan, um, yeah, we, we kind of like made fun of it. And like, we're just like, we were like, we don't care. But I don't know, like the the trailer looks fun. And it's starring Paul Dano, Shailene Woodley, America Ferrera, Sebastian Stan, Seth Rogen, and Pete Davidson. So, it's actually going to have its uh premiere at the festival. I'm pretty sure like world premiere, it's going to have its official premiere at TIFF. So, the film, of course, follows the chaos from You know, like the the GameStop incident regarding its stock skyrocketing due to Reddit and people use the site. And again, I know I make fun of it quite frequently on this podcast. But what's funny is that um, Talia Ryder's in it, so I don't really care. Like I'm gonna watch it (laughs) for her, anyways. Um, Yeah, so it really doesn't matter what I think because again, Talia Ryder's in it. But what's also really cool is like. (sighs) <sighs> TikTok is just an interesting place. I don't use that. I don't use it anymore. And, but I know that Cruella has kind of been having like a renaissance. I don't even want to call it a renaissance, but like, um, a lot of people have been talking about it and talking about how fun the movie is. And it's like, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. There was a lot of like interesting elements to it and it was very stylish. And, you know, like Greg Gillespie uh, directed that film. And so, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this will gain traction because of like the discussions that are being had about Corella right now. But also, I don't know. I think Itania was a really cool movie. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really like bashing uh, the director. I just like don't necessarily care about like what is being shown in the film like I don't necessarily care about the story and the narrative but I think the cast is fun um so yeah um that that will be having its premiere at TIFF um again I kind of only really care about it because Greg Gillespie is like cool I guess and uh Talia Ryder is also I don't know. I do, I do think she she will have a really cool career as well. Um, yeah. Um, one of her films that I also think is going to be having some sort of like wider release eventually this year is uh, the Sweet East. So it had its world premiere at Cannes a couple of months ago, um, and it opened to pretty good reviews. This is directed by uh, Sean Price Williams in his uh, directorial debut it is based on a, not based on, it it is, it's a screenplay by, uh, Price Williams and Nick Pinkerton. Um, yeah, so again, this cast is really great, but I've heard that what really stands out is Talia Ryder's performance, and I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, like, she's only 20, so she's really young, like, she obviously can build up her career in a really interesting way if she continues taking these kind of, these kinds of, like, cool projects so what the what the sweet east is about is that um she's a high school senior um i believe she's on a class trip i don't know if it's new york or dc i can't exactly remember but she's on a class trip and then she gets separated from her group and yeah uh she basically like goes on this journey through like cities and woods in the united states um and it, she encounters like interesting characters along the way. Um, I've also heard really good things about Simon Rex Rex's performance in this film. Um, Iowa Debris also in it and she's literally in everything. And I've mentioned this before. Like she's just really really cool. And yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think I just went on a tangent about like how I think Talia Ryder is really cool. But yeah. Um. Uh. Greg Gillespie's Dumb Money is having its premiere at TIFF, which I think is really, really awesome. Um, I like when these kind of like fun films premiere at TIFF. Um, what else do I want to say? So, regarding the cast, um, America Ferreira um, is also in it. And I think she has like a pretty prominent role in the film. So, in the Barbie movie that dropped last week, Um, That's, you know, literally everywhere. You can't escape it for good reason. But um, yeah, she has a really great monologue and people have been talking about that. And she's been trending for the past couple of days, just like her performance in that movie. And I don't know, everyone just like really, really loves her character in the film and everyone has just been praising her and everyone's been like oh i've been here from the beginning and like just talking about how much they really love her and they keep using that olivia wilde uh, reaction video of we love america yeah like um <laughs> no wait she doesn't say it in that cadence she says we love america and then everyone repeats it um <laughs> so everyone keeps using that um reaction video when they're talking about her and honestly like the fact that she's in this like this dumb money movie and also Barbie this year alone is really cool and I want her in more things um yeah like she's been really she's been a really like prominent figure in television and film for a very long time she's been in a lot of like fan favorites which is cool and so yeah uh more cool cast more cool that no that didn't make sense but anyways uh it's just really cool that she's part of the cast and uh she's having this moment with the barbie movie and everyone's like appreciating her and talking about that specific monologue in the film like one thing about me i love monologues so it's really cool to see people talking about monologues and um i like i like when when on film twitter when on film twitter um people like actually talk about, like, the screenplay or, like, the script and, like, give it up for that and, like, the way the actors, I guess, represent the script um, through their acting. So, that has been cool to see, for sure. So, again, for the fourth time, Dumb Money is having its premiere at TIFF. And I guess to wrap up at least this aspect of the episode what what is interesting about tiff this year is that the festival might look and operate really differently like very differently or i don't know i think that the people involved in tiff um they they know that it's going to be different maybe possibly but they're trying to like downplay it which i i guess I don't know, but what I'm saying is like essentially a lot of the movies and a lot of the stars are American, and they were under um, SAG-AFTRA contracts. After I think that's yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it uh, contracts for these films. So there will be a lot less stars and directors at this at this specific TIFF festival. strikes continue and i say that the strikes need to continue until they are being fairly paid obviously but i also would like the festival the festival to feel a little bit normal like i would like a lot of celebrities and directors and writers to be there but that can't happen if they are not being paid properly and if they continue to strike and you know what good for them like like they they need to do what they need to do right yeah So the festival definitely will be a little different if these strikes continue. Um, But one thing about TIFF that's like really, really good is that it does have a lot of Canadian projects and international international projects, so non-Hollywood projects. And a lot of the films premiering are exactly that, like Canadian films, non-Hollywood films. And so we don't necessarily need to... I guess, like, people that are attending TIFF, like, I'll just say we, as in the film community, we, the film community, don't necessarily need to worry about, you know, like, there not being a lot of stars. Like, I think a lot of people will still show up, um, especially for the international um, cinema that is being premiered at TIFF. I guess, like, um, I guess, like, there are layers to it. Like, for example, like, Amanda Seyfried. I think that's how like i don't i don't think i'll ever pronounce her last name right like amanda Seyfried's like in a canadian project but she is an american actress so it's like she could show up and promote the film at the festival if if the strikes continue but the thing is like we don't yeah like we don't we don't know if she will just because she is like striking so we don't necessarily know, even if it is a Canadian project, if she will show up to the festival. And you know what? That's that's just the way things are going right now. So, again, the, the festival might operate and look a little different, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not even mad about it. Um, but, yeah, those are some of the projects that are dropping at TIFF. I'm excited, no matter how it operates or looks. Um, and, yeah, uh, let's move on to... I guess more happy news. So, of course, last weekend was Barbenheimer. Uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer were releasing simultaneously uh, over the weekend, and they both did extremely well at the box office—like crazy, crazy money, crazy money. It's just, it's just really, really cool to see both of these films do so well. And I'll explain a little bit more. So, Barbie um, debuted with. 162 million at the domestic box office. So domestic box office being North North American box office. So this was the biggest opening of 2023. Thank God. Like I am so sick and tired of like superhero movies. <laughs> like just making always having like the biggest opening. Like I want something different. Like let's 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 give us something different to work with. And Oppenheimer did also really, really well. Um, it debuted with uh, $82.4 million at, again, the domestic box office. This is the biggest opening for an R-rated movie of this year. Um, a lot of people, I guess a lot of like analysts and stuff have been saying that this is technically, this, this past weekend was technically the fourth biggest box office weekend in history. And that's just really, really cool. Because, In the age of streaming and like post or i don't want to say post pandemic but you get what i'm saying when i say that like it's really hard for movies to just honestly make money and like to get people to go to the theater but these movies did so well um and they're both critically lauded and so just seeing these kinds of films make money and get people to go to the theater is really cool of course the whole marketing of it all helped like barbie barbie's barbie's marketing budget was like 800 million um it wasn't but you get what i'm saying and and like the the double feature aspect of it like so many people watch them on the same day or i don't think i've ever like encountered someone's like oh i'm only going to watch one and not the other which at the end of the day a lot of people are doing that but for the most part, people are going to see both of them, whether that be on the same day or separate. It doesn't necessarily matter because people are excited for both of these films. One is directed by Greta Gerwig, an extremely popular director, and is, of course, filled with, like, an all-star cast, and it is written by Gerwig and Bob So, like, of course, a lot of people that within the film community wanted to, like specifically me are excited to like engage with the script and of course it is based wait did i already see that no i don't know if i said this but it's based on really popular ip so obviously this just made people really really excited on the other hand Oppenheimer is like again directed by an extremely popular director chris uh director yeah christopher nolan and People show up for his movies, like his movies make money. Um, They're original for the most part. Um, Of course, this is based on a real person, but it's still an original film. I'm pretty sure this was the biggest debut for one of his films. And it's really cool because he's one of like, maybe like five auteurs that we have that people actually show up for their films, Um, which is really, really sad to think about. But at the end of the day, like he's getting people to that theater and so yeah um they both did really really well and honestly like i am very negative about where the film industry is heading and honestly like as seen by the strikes i think i have a right to be upset and like very negative but i don't at the end of the day like seeing people show up for these really really well-crafted films Um, directed and made by people who love the art of cinema and who like appreciate cinema and who are inspired by really really great films and filmmakers just seeing people show up for them at the theater kind of gives me a little hope um again it is really hard to be positive about anything that's going on just like seeing the whole like sequel of it all and like uh, just like seeing what gets made and what doesn't get funded, you know, but I'm really happy for both of these films and for everyone involved in them. Um, I know that, like, Barbie might spawn some, like, spin offs and sequels. I don't, I, I hope they don't, though. Like, I hope it doesn't, though, and I know that they're, I know they're gonna make a sequel. Like, I know or at least, like, a spin-off, but it's, like, I kind of don't want it to happen just because I really, really love when things can exist as solo entities and not potentially be ruined by sequels, or at least, like, the sequels, like, lesser, I don't know, I, I'm not putting this properly, but, like, lesser in, like, uh, critical value, I guess, um, and, like, just, yeah, isn't as well received, and it's, like, I think we should just let it exist as it is now, uh, sit with it sit with the themes that are being present but i i don't even think no no i don't think that's gonna happen like i think they're gonna make a sequel and it's just like also like is is greta gonna be attached to it and if not like well who's gonna be able to do something as personal and beautiful as greta with these characters and with this world and it's like I don't know like that's another thing to think about that i don't want to think about and so i hope it doesn't spawn any of that type of shit but it most likely will but let's move on to more news about barbie so it was actually just it was just announced that Bowen and yang dan levy and ben platt were actually all in talks to play different kens in the barbie movie but couldn't commit because of scheduling conflicts obviously this is such Ah, this is like such bad news for me on a personal level because I love Bo Yang. I honestly think that he's a star and like he, yeah, he. Like that, that's it. Like he's just he's just such an incredible actor. But like he has such like charisma and like he's so lovable that I think that he would fit perfectly into this film. Um and yeah, so it is really really sad that none of them could, yeah, like none of them could have been Barbies, or. Barbies could have been Ken's (laughs) could have been in Barbie but um yeah word it would yeah I I think this would have been like really really cool um I think they're all really really talented actors and I think they all would have fit so well into the film Uh, a lot of people on Twitter were talking about how like yeah uh, this is kind of like devastating because like bowen would have been so good in the role and like even dan and yeah like even ben as well like they would have brought something to the film and uh, scheduling conflicts it uh, n- i don't know like honestly like i would have dropped everything and like if Greta Gerwig wants me in any of her movie i would have dropped and ran but obviously that's not the way the world works but Anyways, um, yeah, kind of devastating for me. I, th- I guess we'll talk more about like box office. Um, so as of a couple of days ago, Hayao Miyazaki's final film called How Do You Live earned about twenty-six million in Japan. Of course, this was this was again a couple of days ago. Those aren't the final numbers. Um. But what's really, really cool is that this is just, like, the numbers in Japan. Um, again, it's this final film. What I don't... What I don't... I don't know what I was trying to say. But what what I'm saying is, like, um, they actually didn't, like, market this film really at all. I think they dropped the poster. There was no trailer. I don't think there was any information about it. Um... So they're just like okay this is Miyazaki's final film here take it and then they dropped in theaters and people have going have been going to watch it um I don't even think I don't think it's playing in like where I live um so yeah How Do You Live is Miyazaki's final movie it was released um, in Japan it made about 26 million again this is as of a couple days ago and very minimal marketing but I think like people knowing that it's Miyazaki's final film, they don't really care what it's about. They don't necessarily care about a trailer. They don't really care about the narrative. They're like, they're going to show up. Like, they are going to show up. Oh, sorry, I moved my mic. They are going to show up for this no matter what. And honestly, I respect it. Miyazaki is... Like, what can you say? Like, he he's literally a, a pioneer. He is, he is one of the greatest directors to ever do it honestly hmm, now might be a good time to admit that like studio ghibli films are like not my favorite they're like not my cup of tea honestly like i'm not really a big animated film person like and anim- like yes like to quote del toro animation and cinema i know that but it's like for me it's it's really hard for me to like love an animated film like I can enjoy them but I just wish I don't know like for me I feel like I feel like they work best when they they are like rich in themes and so what I do appreciate about the Ghibli films is their utilization of thematic elements and Um, more philosophical, like, elements as well. Um, So, that's why Princess Mononoke is, like, probably my favorite Ghibli film. Um, A lot of, like, a lot of the themes that it looks at, I can really appreciate. And, yeah, again, a lot of the films aren't for me. I, I, I really respect the animation. They're just incredible. But, again, not my cup of tea. However, um, I still really, really love the direction and, and, um, the animation and Miyazaki, like you really, you really can't say anything bad about like what he has done for cinema as a whole, like everyone, what's also really cool is like a lot of the times people don't know who directed animation films or animated films, I should say. But with Miyazaki, like, everyone knows. Like, you, you know it's his. Like, he has crafted such a incredible style. Um, and, and again, even, like, with themes, like, people know that he looks at specific things a lot in his films. And so I think that's really cool. Like, he was able to craft something of his own and really build up cinema and up- uplift animation within cinema. And so, yeah, his final film released... Uh, I, I, again, like, I don't even know if it's playing, I don't think so. I haven't seen it on any of like the theater sites, but, but I will definitely watch it. Um, as soon as it drops, like in theaters near me, I'm definitely going to go see it. Um, so yeah, it earned 26 million in Japan. Um, the number is definitely greater now. This was as of a couple of days ago. We are reaching the end of the episode. Again, this is kind of shorter. I don't know why, like, for some reason, these episodes have been shorter. Well, last week was, like, 35 minutes, but uh, uh, that was because the audio was so bad. Like, if you listen back to that episode, there's times where I'm saying something, and it immediately jumps to, like, something else that, like, kind of doesn't fit. Like, the sentence doesn't flow, and that's because, like, my computer was just, like, I don't know what was going on. It was glitching the entire day. Um, when I was recording it, it would just, like, it would glitch, it would just, like, jump, and it would start recording, like, five seconds after. So, I would be talking, I wouldn't even notice it. And honestly, that might be happening right now again. I don't know. But, um, I think we're good. I think we're good so far. Um, but, yeah, they've just been shorter. Uh, usually they last for about an hour. But this one actually might be 45 minutes, maybe which I think is decent considering it's only me and obviously when I have a guest it's going to be longer because we're bouncing ideas off each other I start with asking them questions they say something they want to talk about and I see something that uh I want to talk about uh, during this ending part so obviously it will be longer again um I'm looking for a (laughs) guest um but yeah I, I think I'm gonna just start ranting and talking about shit um starting right now so this of course is the part of the episode where we discuss and rant or like just shout out something that we want to shout out so this could be a tv show or um a movie it could be something that we hate it could be something we love it could be something that we don't really like care either way it could be something you watched recently It could be just, like, an element or a specific performance in the film. Just something about film and television that we want to give attention to, um, whether that be negative or positive attention. And, yeah, um, I'm going to get into it. I actually want to talk about teen dramas. And I feel like every good teen drama that I've watched recently... um, Uh... uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, basically every good teen drama that I watched recently ends up getting cancelled after one season. I don't necessarily know if it's just solely based on viewership, but they just like get cancelled. And it's kind of annoying. So, I, I want to talk about two things today. I know I'm breaking the rules, but again, there's no guest, So, we have a little extra time. Two of the best teen dramas that I watched or... Yeah, I would call them teen dramas are Grand Army, which was streaming on Netflix, and Generation, which was on HBO Max. Okay, Grand Army is still available on Netflix. Um, You know, word. Uh, Yeah, it, it just followed a bunch of like high school students in New York um, at Grand Army. Um, it was very, honestly, like at times it got really dark, but these are things that high school students are dealing with. Um, and the characters spoke and acted as though they were real high school students. I feel like I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but it's like, I don't know, like a lot of the times when it comes to teen dramas, it's either very, very dark, like to a point where it's like, this is straight up not realistic, or it's very like sanitized. And it's like, well, these teenagers feel as though they are not teenagers and they're like 10 and I feel like we have to find a balance between those two yeah I did talk about this before I don't know what episode it was but actually you should just go back and find out yourselves and watch the other episodes but but yeah like what I really really admired about Grand Army is that they looked at a lot of like difficult subject matter like sexual assault and um the whole aspect of like yeah like immigration and like the american dream also like that was that wasn't like an overt theme but it was still there um there's also like a lot of episodes of like uh peer pressure and like societal pressure upon these teens and uh, a lot of the discussions on twitter about a lot of the characters were really funny because they would be yeah, they would be, like, um, criticizing a character, like, oh, she was so stupid, like, why did she do that? And then everyone would be quote-tweeting it with, like, you would be doing this in high school. Not, like, that specific person who tweeted it, but, like, in general, it was something that happened and was common in um, in high school. And so, yeah, I really, really admired a lot of it. I think the writing was great. Um, I think a lot of the problems that people had with it were was just, like, the pacing of it all but honestly again like one of the best one of the best like teen dramas that i watched in a really really long time an incredible cast as well it was a really big ensemble cast um and yeah just like filled with really really talented young actors i it, it focused on a lot of different storylines but i feel like there were some like main characters i would say so i feel like the official main character would be joey um definitely honestly like a really really nuanced um look at you know sexuality and like dealing with uh sexual assault specifically a lot of the times like there's this like misconception that you're going to be assaulted by someone you don't know where a lot of the times that's not the case um I'm trying not to spoil anything but yeah like like the the ramifications of that and like the trauma that comes with that very it was really really well done like I honestly didn't expect it from no offense like a derogatory Netflix show like it, like yeah like you don't really expect something that well written from a Netflix show like sorry sorry Netflix but um yeah that was really that was really like her her storyline was really really well done um Dominique was also again like i I would consider her one of the other main characters and her storyline honestly I'm probably remembering this wrong hold on yeah I think I think her storyline definitely focused more a lot on like racism and and and, and like dating but also like familial pressure as well um yeah there was like a lot of great storylines and then there was sid as well um he's like a closeted like swimmer on the school's swim team and like his whole storyline was definitely like managed with care um i i personally really really liked it um but yeah and also like what i liked about his character is that he also how do i say this he definitely he was reflective of like a lot of the times like the way um yeah like yeah like closeted people have to again like hide their identity but in a way that isn't necessarily like like the way they want to um so i think his also kind of looked at like masculinity in a way um so, yeah, I think it's just really, really great. I, I really love the show. If you haven't watched it, I really suggest checking it out. I'm pretty sure it's still on Netflix. I don't know. One thing about Netflix, though, like, they they don't delete their shit off the platform. So, that's one thing I'll give them. At least, not that I'm aware of. Um, but other streaming services kind of need to take notes. Um, I'm going to move on to Generation now. But Grand Army, like, honestly, like, what a show. Like, I I honestly really, really just love it um i'm pretty sure honestly like i'm not sure of the the allegations regarding this but i know that there was a lot of like prob i've heard like problematics regarding like the the like making of it i don't i don't know if that's something you want to support but i actually like have no idea about it like I i don't i'm not really familiar with it either but i've heard things that like the again speaking of writing and stuff like that like the writers weren't treated well or something like that i'm again i'm not sure and honestly i should have done research but it is a really good show so like i don't know like there are things that like you need to balance regarding that but i really highly suggest it and yeah let's move on to generation so yeah so similar to grand army generation again follows just like a group of high school students but instead of new york it's set in orange county uh california So, again, it, like, looks at different themes, but um, I feel like it's slightly lighter than Grand Army. Um, I would consider this more of a tromedy. Like, it is really, really funny. Grand Army had a lot of, like, funny moments as well. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's about teenagers. Like, it is going to be that balance. But uh, with Generation, I feel like it is a little bit lighter. What I really, really liked about... Well, let let's start off with this. So this show was actually created by Zelda Barnes and Daniel Barnes. So Zelda was like a teenager when she was like crafting this show and creating this show alongside her dad. And so I think what why I really, really like the show is that it brought that perspective of a teenager to a show about teenagers. And you rarely get that. Like it's always adults making things for kids and We never really get, like, a perspective of a young person when there is, like, the creation of something like this going on. And so, honestly, like, when I found out about the fact that, like, a young person was involved in the making of this, that everything kind of just clicked for me. And, like, that, I feel like that really helped me realize why I like this show so much. And, again, this features a really, 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 really talented cast um of young people and i always say this but like the cast of generation definitely deserves to be huge and definitely everyone deserves to be a major star um i mean justice smith already kind of like he's he's known like i feel like most people like know who he is they've seen something that he's been in but for the most part like the rest of the cast like was lesser known at the time but now like i'm seeing them be cast in a lot more different things um martha plimpton plays um one of the mothers in the show and uh, her character is really really interesting and like funny um but like it's like a look at like the like the conservative mother of it all um and yeah i mean there's just so many good storylines i really like the episodes that Honestly like I'm not usually a fan of these like singular episodes that focus on like one single character but like the ones that happen in this show um because the characters are so well written and are very like nuanced and layered they they do work really well and and honestly like the way it looks at like um like like modern sexuality from like a teen perspective is really really well done um again I feel like it has to do with the fact that like A young person co-created it and we rarely get that and i yeah there's just so many like the the music is really good the cinematography the yeah like all of it all of it (laughs) um uh, unfortunately it was okay yeah this is actually i don't know i i really highly suggest it um um it does get a little dark at times but It's for the most part, it's for the most part, I think, like, really welcoming and inviting and, like, uh, again, like, realistic in the same way that, like, Grand Army is. What do I want to say? So, um, the thing is, like, HBO, like, kind of sucks when it comes to this is that it premiered in 2021 on HBO Max. Uh, But then, like, a couple months ago when uh, HBO was, like, deleting shit off the service, they completely deleted it from the streaming service. And, unfortunately, what happened is they, yeah, so last year they announced, HBO announced that a bunch of series would be removed from the service, and one of those would be Generation, um, unfortunately, um, but it's not, like, not all is lost, um, it's, it, it, yeah, essentially, like, it got deleted, but, which really, really sucks, but, um, it does have a new home, so, a couple of months ago, so, like, this year, um, Tubi actually placed it on, uh, its streaming service. I'm pretty sure, Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can watch shit for free on 2B, so you just have to, like, deal with ads, which, like, whatever, like, you're getting, you're watching it for free. So, it's not on HBO Max anymore in most countries, um, and, but it is on 2B, so it still exists, which is really, really good. It sucks that it was, had to be deleted or, like, removed, but, um, it still exists, so I think you should go watch it, and it's just, it's just really, really great, and, I wanted to like focus on teen dramaties a little bit just because they both got canceled and they both didn't really like have that time to like flourish and like grow specifically alongside an audience and that is really devastating um and I just hate the fact that like both these really really well-written teen yeah like whatever dramas both got canceled it's really really sad but you know um you can still watch them and I really suggest that you do And now, before I end shit, um, I, I want to, what do I want to say? I want to just mention, um, of course, a movie that is being released. And so, what I will say is that, of course, I think you should still go watch, you should do, not a double feature, that, I feel like that's really long, but anyways, um, you should definitely go watch, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer, um because you should, um, you should definitely, like, support these, these films, um, and just, like, I guess, like, be part of their success, um, so what I will say is that there is a film called Talk to Me, it is a horror movie, so if that's not your thing, tune out now, but, um, it is a horror movie, and it's in theaters this weekend, um, so it follows a a group of friends, uh young friends, but specifically a young woman played by Sophie Wilde. Um yeah, so they become involved with the supernatural essentially because they find a, a involved hand and then they do a seance with it and then shit hits the fan basically. So that is talk to me. Uh it's a horror film. I've heard really, really good things about it. I really I really am I really love, um, modern horror. Um, it's, it's definitely like as much as I like shit on like the current state of industry, modern horror really, really is. Yeah. Just like has a very strong presence. A lot of people show up to them. They talk about them. Um, they talk about these films and these projects. So yeah, uh, check out, talk to me. I've heard a lot of, like, good things about it. A lot of people have been talking about it. So, I am excited. Yeah, just to, like, see, to see it. But also to see what people have to say about it. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really, I really like, what do I like? I really like the, I really like that horror movies are really, I don't want to say carrying the industry. No, not at all. But they are a very, like, huge presence within like the modern film industry um and what else what else uh oh I watched theater camp a couple of days ago honestly hilarious I I really like Molly Gordon and like what she's doing for like modern comedies and I really hope that like she keeps it up with like the writing and the direction and yeah um yeah uh it's just I actually had no idea that it was going to be a mockumentary and then I watch it I'm like oh this is a mockumentary awesome which I feel like just made me like it even more so honestly you should also go watch theater camp I mentioned it last week but I don't care uh it was so funny like I I'm not even joking like I it was like five minutes into the movie and like my eyes were just watering because it was just so funny and I I don't know like that's honestly like the best thing I could say there's just so many like I'm pretty sure every single joke landed um the kids in the film were so funny and like the way the teachers were just like talking to them and it was it was just hilarious like of course it's like mocking the whole like theater of it all but it's just it's also really like heartfelt and warm and loving and you should go watch it and bring your friends and your family and um yeah what else yeah again talk to me in theaters um Three, two, one. I guess I'll do the prolonged goodbye. Okay, bye.